0: Ladies and gentlemen, and podcasters from around the world, it's another episode of TR Talk, where we interview leaders from their respective fields to learn how millennials can make an impact in today's workforce. The podcast is hosted by Tom Alemo and yours truly, Ryan Warner. On today's episode, we have Nick Fedotov, and we just had a blast interviewing Nick. We get into his background as an advisor at Morgan Stanley how he transitioned his career to an account executive at Salesforce, and ultimately how he rose through the ranks to become a manager on one of the top teams in the financial services vertical at Salesforce. We also go into tips for goal setting, how you can make them actionable, some of the more effective ways millennials can build credibility, and what it was like to sell for Morgan Stanley during the 08 crash. Again, we had a blast doing it. Hope you folks enjoy the show. As always, if you enjoy the episode, please feel free to share or pass it along to your friends. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay, we're here with another episode of TR Talk. Today we have Nick Fedetov. Nick is the regional sales manager on the financial services team here at Salesforce. Before that, he was a direct contributor one of the top AEs for several years in a row. And then before that worked at Morgan Stanley in the financial services business. So um but no, we're excited to have you, Nick. I think just to start, um, let's have a you know a quick background on on yourself and, and where you find yourself these days. Sure. So I graduated college back in oh seven. I had
1: Dreams of grandeur about being in finance. You you hear about the '80s stockbroker world and yeah. kind of that fast pitch, sell people, make a lot of money uh, mentality. And that's that's really what attracted me into sales. Now I got into the industry in September of 2007, and for those who can't remember, uh, the market peaked in October of 2007 and then went on a drastic downturn. Yes. So. You know, my core day-to-day was between 100 and 200 calls, just cold calling people to take meetings with me to talk about their finances as a financial advisor. Started a a small broker-dealer my first two years. My first year was just absolutely terrible. My second year, um, I turned it around a lot, and I got a lot of recognition, and eventually they wanted me to open up a branch uh, closer to where I lived, and I thought one of the biggest concerns they had is they didn't know the name of my smaller broker dealer. There was a lot of the Bernie Madoff in the headlines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd, I'd put a lot of validity if I put the Morgan Stanley brand under my name. So I ended up switching a, from a good position to, to, to back to the, the low guy on the totem pole. Okay. Um. And so I did that for another year in the financial services. And after getting beat up for about three years, you yeah. can imagine people who thought they were going to retire next year and now... Now have to work for another 15 years and you call them about managing their finances. And they're like,
2: that's a tough call.
1: It's a very tough call and it's a true concern. When, yeah. when they say, I, I've been saving for retirement longer than you've been alive. What are you gonna tell <laughs> yeah. me about retirement, right? And oh. so it was a large challenge to overcome. I learned a lot in sales. Yeah. You learn to get beat up a lot. Um, but you really,
0: when you have those successes and you triumph, uh, it feels really good. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, What do you think was key to staying positive? Or what did you think about during those years when it was really tough that kept you going?
1: You know, I kept, so to backstep at my first job, they essentially, they train you for a week, you go through you, and you get your licenses, and instead of like, here's your leads, here's your territory, they flip the script on you. And they uh-huh. say, you tell me your marketing plan And LinkedIn had just came out, and so I went to a school called Cal Poly, and I found every person who went to Cal Poly between a certain amount of years, um, and I just made a massive list of uh, thousands of people. And that was my call list, and that's what I presented to the executives at my broker dealer was, here's my game plan. I'm going to cold call the hell out of these people, because I naturally don't have an affluent market we didn't come from. Yep. Um, massive amount of money, you know, um, yep. you know, kind of the, I don't want to say low income, but, you know, the, the humble. Working, the, class. Yeah, the yeah. working class. Yeah, the working class, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And so what kept me going is, you know, I called, even if you get 200 no's, you get that yes. And I put the, a yellow highlight onto that yes. Mm. And you meet up for coffee and you start doing the statistics. And you, I ended up meeting with over 130 Cal Poly alumni grants, just to give my pitch about financial services. Wow.
0: Wow. Do you
2: have any tips on either how you built credibility with that audience or like even looking back on it now, what you wish you would have done to like kind of establish yourself more?
1: Yeah, you have to establish proficiency and it kind of transcend yourself into that trusted advisor. So yep. if the person was really into sports and Shaq was on his way out, and I, I think he was on the Cavaliers at the time in the last year or two okay. uh, into his um, his tenure in basketball. Mm-hmm. So, Do you want to hire Shaq or do you want LeBron James? Do mm-hmm. you want to invest your money with the person who's in the 60s, who's gonna retire in a few years, and then who's gonna manage your money? Or do you want to be the person who's there for the long run? Right, right? you would say that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And then you always have to have a few pieces that they don't think about. So for me, I would say, let me take a look at your portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you worked at these five past jobs. Have you rolled them over into one uh, one IRA account? And they would say, no, I have my 401ks all over the place, right? Well, you have five different portfolio managers potentially buying and selling the same stock to each other, and they're incurring fees that aren't transparent that you don't know about. Mm, wow. You know, you have a 401k at Salesforce and maybe you're investing large cap and you yep. came over from Oracle and you have a large cap portfolio manager over there. They yep. may be buying and selling Microsoft stock to each other and you're paying mm. fees. It makes no impact on your portfolio, but you're paying fees for that. And wow. you start asking very thought provoking questions and things that they didn't think about. Yep. All of a sudden you don't look like a 22 year old, 23 year old. Yeah you start saying, "Hey, this guy's an expert. This guy actually may know what he's talking about. Let's give him a shot." Right? right? I'm not asking yeah. for a lot of your money right now. I'm asking for the opportunity to show competency. Mm-hmm. To show you that I can add value.
2: Yeah. And that's not something that you just pick up overnight. You you had to do a ton of prep work and a ton of research to find out those questions and you just you, you're obviously really educated in that market more yeah. so than of people of that age. Yeah. You just prove your worth. And I'm sure that's the same thing that you do at Salesforce in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. 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 Due diligence is the name of the game. Yeah. And, you know, the market has gone a long way and the industry has gone a long way since the 80s where you just burn and churn blue chip stocks and whatnot. So it was actually an exercise where you would convince someone to talk to their significant other hey, let's do a fact finder. And then you start talking about asking really thought-provoking questions that they've probably never even thought about. What does your five-year plan look like? Would you rather buy that Tahoe house or would you rather upgrade this house? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you have short-term, mid-term, long-term dollars. What are we saving towards? What are our goals? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's an exercise between them, and you're asking very intimate questions, but they're finding a lot of value in just asking those questions because they don't necessarily ask that between themselves. Wow. And then you and then you come back with the Morningstar report. <laughs> and it was one of the greatest tools in the financial planning world was here's a 10-year look back of what your portfolio has done.
0: Yeah.
1: And based on my recommendations and our screening analysis and our tools and whatnot, you would be five hundred thousand dollars richer if we had this conversation ten years ago.
0: Oh. And you
1: can't guarantee results, but it's but, like this is the portfolio I'm recommending, this is what you had. And you start showing these things and yeah. all of a sudden you have completely transcended from that that young guy. Yeah. To this is a professional. And yeah. a professional here who's here for a long term.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So, I had to slow down the sales engagement a little bit. Of course, I want to make higher commissions a lot quicker. Yeah. But you have to take that long-term vision and say, I can't miss step here. Right. And even if I have to go a little bit slower, you know, is as I gain clients, I gain referrals. And that's how you build a long-term book of business. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'd be just curious to let you kind of drive the conversation on what your thoughts are on, on goal setting, how that might have helped you, and just your general philosophy on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the most successful people that I've ever met do two things. There's obedience to structure. So go out, and if you're new to a company... Go talk to the most successful people about those behaviors that they do and what's the right way to, you know, just learn their story. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to say what metrics do you put. It's like, what was your story? What made you successful? What are those three things that you, if I was in your, if you were in my seat to do it all over again, what would you definitely do? Yeah. Learn those and start putting a framework to your goals. Okay. Right? Okay. The second thing is you gotta go execute on those. When I say obedience to that structure, It's also what my first manager told me. Um, Essentially, the most successful people do the common things with an uncommon consistency. It's like, yeah, 100 calls a day. That's gonna make you successful. But a lot of reps, they would do that on Monday or they would do it on Tuesday and Wednesday. But you know what? I'm going to take a step back on Thursday. You know, uh, There's a concert going on. I'm going to leave early. I'm going to go get my pre-drink on or whatever. Uh, And they don't do it. So it's the common things that everyone tells you, but you do it with an uncommon consistency. You don't
0: take those days off. And that's what's going to set you apart. So are you setting goals? I know you have the whiteboard you give to every rep on Mm -hmm. the team so you can have the goals in front of you. So, right, are, so
2: take a step back for, for those like myself that, that yeah. aren't, aren't on the team, don't work at Salesforce. So you give everyone on your team a, a whiteboard, whiteboard a small and you write whiteboard. your goal down and what you put on your desk, like three goals or... 100. So we
0: prop our whiteboard up against our computer monitor, and like you have you know, your goals for the week. Yep. You know, I have a sales number I'm trying to hit, I have a, a prospect number I'm trying to hit, then I have a, a mental thing I'm trying to hit, or something I'm trying to learn that week, maybe okay. a new pitch or something. Okay. And that Nick's big on that, so I'm curious, are you setting yours... Uh, a year out? Are you thinking it monthly? How do you tie in personal to work goals? Cause that's the biggest thing for me is I tend to have all my goals being work-focused, but then my relationships suck and yeah. my personal life sucks. So how do you balance the two?
1: They become intertwined, but you need to set goals for your personal life, right? Okay. Whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to get engaged, whatever you want to do personally. Yeah. Yeah. You want to set financial goals. And that see how that's a little bit intertwined? Yeah. Like, We're doing family planning. I have two kids. If I want to have a third kid and to send them to the Montessori school that we send them to and it costs a lot of money. Yeah. You know, that's a personal goal that we want to have a third kid. But that also then relates to my financial goals about where my income level needs to be. And I map it out. Right.
2: And then that would tie to your professional goal.
1: Exactly. That's the third step. Right. You got to have your personal goals, your financial goals Mm. and your professional goals.
2: Yep. Okay and is that on like a timeline like do you do you generally do it like shoot like yeah a month a year 10 years we
1: have an annual cadence here and i tend to do it because of my business objectives objectives change every year yeah mm-hmm. because i'm either in a new role or it's a new year new me new business plan okay and that's when i do my goal setting for all three okay and you know i'm stealing this from tony robbins but you list out you know, in yeah. the short term. The next year, what do I wanna do? You list out 10 things, right? Yep. What do I wanna do the next five years? You list out 10 things. And then what do I wanna do 20, 30 years out? And you list out 10 things, right? Yep. And then you pick out the top three that are most important to you. Yep. Okay, when I wanna prioritize this, and prioritization is a huge aspect that a lot of people don't get. And coin from our CEO, Mark Benioff, if it's all important, nothing's important. Yep. Yeah. You have to, and then he will tell us on our business plan, on different products, this product is more important than this product. Customer trust is more important than revenue growth. But revenue growth is number two, right? right. <laughs> you know? And where is that going to come from? He goes down the list because if it's all important, nothing's important. If you say, I have to do these 15 things and how going I do it, you overwhelm yourself and you lose focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you say, here's the 10 things I want to accomplish and here's the top three and here's number one, yep. then you start putting a structure yeah. to it. Yeah. The next piece of it, and this comes from Tony Robbins as well, so I I can't steal and say it for myself, is you write down why it's important. Not just Mm. what you want to accomplish, but why is this important. If you want to lose weight, why do you want to lose weight? Yep. And that starts hitting, and we call it in the Sandler methodology, the L2, the L3, the personal drivers. Yeah, uh, Maybe it's because you were made fun of as a kid, and you don't want that feeling anymore. Maybe Fair. it's because you want to date someone. You think they're only going to, you know, whatever, whatever your reasons are. Yeah, yep.
2: um, I don't know if you've read Simon Sinek's Start With Why it's pretty much we watched
0: that yeah. Oh, you yeah did. yeah
2: in our t- team meeting, we watched it, it. it's yeah it's it's awesome for those who haven't read it or, or watched the video I'd highly recommend it but it's it's essentially the whole goals or the thought process is that if you the stronger your why is for why you're doing something the more likely it is you are to achieve it
1: yeah you're gonna provoke more action yeah if you understand why you want to do something I did a training once and it was it wasn't sales methodology training, but we called it sales training. And usually sales methodology training is like when you get this question, how do you deflect? Or how do you get to a deeper question? This was just more about how to connect with humans. And part of what instills change in someone, there has to be something impactful in their life. And he gave the story of this guy knows he needs to lose weight, and he's having dinner, and he's like, last night I know I should have had the salad, but I had the fish and chips, right? Yep. And my wife can bug me about eating healthy all the time, but when I'm on a business trip, I'm having the fish and chips. That's what I like to eat. Yeah. Okay. It's like – so doing those kind of surface-level things is not going to really instill change. But if that person had a heart attack and lived, and the doctor says, you're only going to live if you change your eating habits – a person's gonna change. Yeah. Because yeah. there's such exactly. a deeper meaning to it. Like, I wanna be alive to watch my daughter graduate high school yep. and see the things that develop in her life. Yeah. Right? Yep. My daughter's only two and a half. There's a whole future ahead of her. Yeah. Right? Yep. And when you tie it to such personal feelings, you're, that's gonna change your behavior. Yeah. Because wow. behavior change is one of, the, one of the hardest things to do in organizations and personal life. So that's why it's not, it's not just set goals. But let's understand why this goal is important to me, because that will provoke more action. The third piece, and we did this when our team we do quarterly reviews. Yep. In our our first year, or what we call sales kickoff, so kicking off the year, yep. it's like let's go take action. So the, we did an hour goal setting. You know, we lined up our goals, we wrote down why everyone had their time to do it, and then you had 20 minutes. Go. Act on one of these. So if it's wow. to lose weight, I keep going back to this goal because yeah. it's just a common generic common goal, goal that, yeah. that everyone can understand. It's, okay, well, how am I going to do this? I'm going to go hire a trainer. Go right now. Yeah. Go just hire that it. trainer. Go do it. Go yeah. act. Take. You have nine goals, right? You have three professional, three financial goals, and three professional goals, right? Yep. Yeah. Go pick one of them and go act on it right now.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Like, and then you set it in motion. Like open go, that yeah.
2: savings account. A lot of times that yeah. – that, just to get started, it takes no, barely any time at all, but because you're thinking of all nine at once, you're like, this is going to take me six months, but well, one of them is just going to take you 30 minutes. Like, yeah, it's that,
1: crazy. And that confidence to get something done. And you then, know, it just,
2: then it's momentum. You, you
1: yeah. have that list, like, oh, i got so much to do, and it's kind of just a weight on you, and you're like, oh, but i got to go cook dinners, so I'm going to do that, I'm going to get to it later, and then you're like, oh, but at the end of the game, it's a close game, I'm going to watch the rest of this, and we kind of procrastinate just it, it's human behavior to procrastinate. Yeah. Um so when you start getting things done, you're like, okay, that's yeah. off my list, right? Yeah. You're you're in a whole different
0: mentality. Right. Now you've been in management what, 3 years, 2 years? 3 years. 3 years. How have your goals changed professionally as a rep to a manager? Cuz I'm sure it's much different. Yeah,
1: it's it's a little bit more indirect. Right. right, I need to understand every single one of the account executives who directly report to me what is important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's situational management. I know you, Ryan, and yeah. I know what motivates you is yeah. completely different than what motivates Sean on our team. Right. So you have right. to understand you know, yeah. how I can make someone tick, how I can make them move. Yeah. Now, our goals align. Right? If Ryan does well, I do well. right? If Sean does well, I do well. But I can't have a direct impact. I can't say, Ryan, stay here to 7 o'clock. Because even if I make you stay there, that's not going to make you effective if you don't want to be there, if your head's out the door. Right. So I'm not the type of manager that just mandates you do this, you do that, you do this. Yeah. Because then you're just a boss. You're just cracking the lid. you got to inspire action. Like, what if we stay late together to help accomplish this goal? And I know what this goal is going to accomplish for Ryan. Then we're all in. And then... And when there's buying that, I want to help you get to what you told me your goal was and why it's important. And we kind of have that intimacy together. Yeah. Then we're doing this together. Like we're, we're in the ship together. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then I don't have to ask people, oh, I need you to come in early. I need you to stay late. I need you to make this. And in calls, it's more how are we stacking up against where we truly want to be. Yeah. And are we really being great?
0: And Man. if not, let's be honest about it. Why aren't we being great? Let's close with what we call the rapid-fire question session here. Let's do it. I'll kick things off. So these are just quick answers. Uh, Nick, favorite book you've read in the past year?
1: Grit by Angela Duckworth.
0: Uh, So I have a couple to choose from here. What do you you think are some of the more common mistakes reps make when they get into a quota-carrying role that you wish you knew about when you were back in our shoes? A
1: few things. One A tendency of what we call greener reps or newer reps, they tend to be Mm over-accommodating and devalue themselves more. Mm -hmm. Um, And that shows, it just kinda shows a weakness to it. People wanna buy from someone who's really confident and knows the value of it. Even if it could be in negotiations and holding the line, it can just be about how you answer questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And just how you present yourself. You're not just the over-accommodating yes person. But you come up with a point of view and a perspective, yep. and you may politely disagree. But they will respect you a hell of a lot more than just that. Great. Okay, I will meet you anytime you yeah. want, I'll and cancel I cancel everything. You, and yeah. all your thoughts are 100% right. <laughs> I'm never going to challenge you because whether you're managing someone's portfolio or the technology, they don't trust you if everything's yes, 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 yes. Yep. I'm like, well, nothing's 100% perfect, right.
2: right?
0: So what are you not telling me? Yeah, because right. you're just going to tell me what I want to hear. Or if you start out with a call, apologize. Remember, that's one thing you mentioned right away to reps. Like, like, hey, I apologize for calling you back 30 minutes late. Like, don't apologize. Your time's valuable. Yeah. They need to wait for you. Or, you know, just as they would wait for you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, cutting out the fluff, too. I see a lot yeah. of, like, hope this email finds you
1: well. You don't know me. Yeah. Like, hope all is well. Like, you don't know me. So what are you hoping is well? And you're just well? wasting words.
2: Like, people yeah. are, if, if someone's going to open an email and actually read it and then actually respond, which is very unlikely as is, they want to read as few sentences as possible. Just cut out the bullshit. Yeah.
1: I and mean, there's a there's a big difference. And, you know, as a manager, people cold call me and cold email me. And I, I'll see the difference. Someone says, starts send an email. Hope all is well. We have the best blah, blah, blah product on the street. We give yep. you the white glove concierge service, da, 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 da. Great. Delete. I hear <laughs> hope all is well and I delete it. Yep. Someone says, your recent promotion, like, congratulations, you were on this podcast, the yeah. TNR podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That person reaches out to me, I'm like, yep. okay, we have, a. you have a reason to reach yeah. out to me, you've piqued my interest. Yep. You have that ambiguous, kind of thought-provoking subject line, now you know something that's very specific to me that you didn't blast out to a thousand people. Yep, yep. Yep. Now, like, now,
2: okay, I, yeah. you did
1: your homework. You've earned the right to have a conversation. Yep. Love
2: that. Yeah, I've, I, I still remember from my first uh, one of my first weeks in sales training, there was a VP that said it was for a call, but it works for email too. It's like the first 10 seconds is to make it so you prove yourself for the next 30 seconds. Take those 30 seconds, and then you prove your worth for the next five minutes, and then those minutes you prove it for the next call. And so you're constantly – you know, you're not. If you only have ten seconds to make an impression, you're not wasting three of them saying "hope all as well." You're you're getting to the point of providing value. So, yeah. Right. Um, Great. All right. So, if you only had two hours to work in a week, what would what would the two hours consist of? What would you do?
1: Well, going back to what I would say is, I'm going to prioritize my business. Okay. Right now, I have open headcount. I had two people get promoted last month. So a subset of that would be um, my recruiting goals. Because mm-hmm. for me, if I go to the latter half of the year, which we are, and I don't have people who are trained and ready, I'm not going to hit the metrics that I need to hit, right? Yeah. So yep. right now, it, so it's dynamic, obviously, you know, and it's going to change. So yep. that, yep. it's going to be my top deals in the pipeline for this month and also long term, where are we at with that? Make sure that execution is strong. Yep. Are we thinking about all the angles? And the biggest thing is why wouldn't we win this deal what are the risks what are the red flags what are the questions we're not asking because it's another mistake of new reps they don't they don't want to hear the answers to that you know they kind of just want to you want to put your head in the sand like (laughs) an ostrich yeah uh you got to know why you want to win the deals and then try to mitigate that risk as much as possible but you got to be honest with yourself right so big subset my recruiting goals, my top deals, and then it's also some goal setting for mine, right? Yep. You can't omit it when things get busy. You still got to think about
0: what do I need to do to be successful? Well, like how much are we getting better each day versus just answering email all day? So, last question for me is how many times will the Warriors repeat?
1: Woo, I think we got another two good years. I, I think we're a strong <laughs> position. To win it again this year, I think there's going to be a lot of things in flux with free agency. I think LeBron James, I, I do think he leaves Cleveland. I think he goes to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm right, I'm going to replay this podcast. <laughs> <just> <laughs> I
2: was right. You know who's hot but, on the you know, tail a couple years away? Good old Boston Celtics. Oh! That's what I was a Boston guy. Right. was a Boston A couple years, but we're making Wait,
1: well, well, LeBron leaving would be good for the East, um, yeah, yeah. but I think some of these stars team up together, create another super team, and then they'll battle it out. But I think so. I mean, with the Big Four, and they got at least two good years left on the contract. I I see us doing, you know, going three in a row. Oh, okay. So okay. so we, we're
0: we're one down, two more to go. You heard it here, Friday, September eighth, four forty seven, three in a row, <laughs> two to go
2: else that, that you want to put out there or any other last thoughts?
0: Yeah, the last thing I would say is
1: be yourself. A lot of times I see with new reps, they try to speak in a specific vernacular and they try to fit in like the older reps do and, yeah. and the more seasoned. People buy from people.
2: Okay.
1: And if you're a good person and you're just yourself, I don't care that you can speak my language. I care what... Who is Ryan underneath, right? Right. And that you're a genuine person, and that you know I enjoy doing business with you. Mm-hmm. If you're once again, you go to a business lunch and you're just that yes person, yes person, whatever, and you're boring and you're vanilla and you don't know anything about current events. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to learn anything. The, the average CEO reads sixty books a year, right? Mm-hmm. There's a thirst for knowledge, and if you can teach them something like that. Then you're gonna get mind share. Yeah. But if you're just like, oh, that's a you know, that's a great suit collar and thank you for asking that question <laughs> Whatever, like the compliments are only gonna go so far. So just be yourself mm-hmm. and whatever you're interested in is yeah. music, whether find some common interest because people are gonna have common interests with each other if you just dig down deep enough. Yeah. That's part of being of a sales professional, is doing that due diligence to know those commonalities and then gravitate the conversation to where you guys you know, had those commonalities. Yeah. And then it, it, like I said, just being yourself, giving a point of view. And, and if you can teach someone something new, I think that, you know, they get value out of it. They walk away. They say, I'll take that person's phone call again.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of TR talk. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to like or share this episode. We're on a lot of social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, facebook instagram medium any shares we, we'd really appreciate it uh, on another note we have some great great guests coming in october um, from a lot of different fields we're really excited to share with you and uh, we got another one coming out soon